In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters. And she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is still interested for Curio. Welcome back to Still Interested. I'm, as always, your, uh, hmm, what are we calling it this time? What about teen murdering boy, Ben McAllister? I am his, like, horrified friend, Jackson Usid. And, Jackson, we've got a guest with us today. Oh, we sure do. I am your ex-boyfriend, Tim. <laughs> TJ, as, uh, as I like to call him these days. I'm trying to get TJ started, Jacko. I don't know if I've told you this. Oh, okay, okay. I thought, you said, I thought you said DJ, as in, like, oh, my ex-boyfriend's a DJ. Like, that's a sort of uh, a vibe you're going for. <laughs> no, TJ, because he's Tim Jr., Oh. And so I'm, I'm thinking like a leather jacket that's like got rhinestones on it that say TJ in some way emblazoned or studded. I do not think I'm masculine enough to pull off TJ. I think if you got a denim or leather jacket that it was emblazoned with TJ, <laughs> yeah. you could pull it off. But also you have to skate everywhere. I feel like yeah. that's a big part That's of it. true. I'll have to pick that up again. Yeah. Again? Sorry, again? I used to skate when I was about 13 or something. Dude. Oh, what? I remember that you know, age-old issue of... Grazing your knees too much that you have to give up <laughs> have to give up skateboarding. The doctor said oh, if you got one more knee graze, you'd lose your knee. <laughs> to retire man. from skateboarding. You were gonna go pro, dude. That's so sad. Uh, you were Tony Hawk's apprentice. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, we've all just watched a film. I guess Tim, Tim and I watched this movie together last night, seeing as we're both uh, Perth located. And I guess you you watched it over in the old Sydney town, Jacko. When did you watch it? I uh, watched it with Tony Galati, so that was... Um, oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's a little cross-promo. cross, cross promo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little uh, cross-media. True, true fans will get that joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, nice. Uh, cool. So, so we've we've dipped back in to the, the world of Springwood, Ohio, with mm. the... What is it? 2010? 2010... Nightmare on Elm Street, directed by Samuel Bayer. And important to note, produced by Michael Bay. Now, this is yeah. interesting because he also produced the Friday the 13th reboot, if you recall. And we, we talked a lot about Michael Bay and how that movie is canonically part of the Transformers universe, which is yeah. a pretty fucking insane <laughs> fact about that movie. Like, the main jock dude from that movie is part of the Transformers world. So I, I, I wonder, that. is this movie in the Transformers universe? I don't think it is. It's basically done through Platinum Dune which is like their production company basically like Michael Bay and a bunch of others were like let's just make horror films on like relatively cheap budgets and just try and make money out of them and so they've done like fucking like Amityville Affliction and like Friday the 13th remake and uh, coming in 2019 they're also doing Dora the Explorer for some reason uh, it's a, a kind of a, a dark turn for, for young Dora are they doing like a, a, a grim dark gritty reboot of Dora or is I mean, it like <laughs> just, just a Dora movie I think maybe they're just pivoting <laughs> like they're like well that's where the money is <laughs> I feel like this one definitely is it's it's maybe a little bit darker like a little bit less wacky and fun mm. 
I feel like, than the than the Friday the 13th reboot. How did you land on that? Yeah, this one sort of spends a lot more time dealing with, like, the trauma of, like, its, like, central characters, whereas, like, I mean, if you remember from our discussion of Friday the 13th, the remake last time, like, there's a second movie, which, ha- like, the f- there's a movie which happens before the actual movie, where yeah, it's just about teens, yeah. like, trying to get as lit as they can and trying to Yeah, fuck. I know! One thing that was sorely missing from this movie for me was teen antics. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, which is like a mainstay of slasher. But anyway, let's not jump the gun. Let's let's yeah. explore these things as we get there. Should we jump right in? Please. All right. So my first note, I've got straight up. This is a more traditional like opening credit montage than the uh, original like 1984 film was, where it was like a hand going into a glove, making spooky noises, and then before the credits and shit. This was like this felt this felt more traditional. But but something I found strange. All the actors names were like scrolled out in like child's handwriting and I was wondering like uh, are the actors in universe <laughs> like was the idea that like them as children were part of this like Freddy <laughs> school where Freddy works because it's literally like an actor's name comes up it's like Rooney Mara and then like Rooney Mara like scratched out in childish chicken scratch I mean it's also worth noting that fucking Rooney Mara is in this film yeah <laughs> like what She's in this movie she sure is. Jackie Earl Haley um, yeah, playing Rorschach. Um, Freddy. Rorschach, mm. exactly. Yeah, from that dude, Watchmen movie. Rorschach. Yeah, I only dude, I only realised he was Rorschach at one point when we got like a tight close-up on his face. Oh, and yeah. it like really was evocative of that like close-up of Rorschach when he's being tackled uh, when he gets like caught by the police. And I was mm. like, man, this is fucking... That's Rorschach. I right had there. my suspicions from the start. That face, <laughs> that face looks familiar. Yeah, just suspicions yeah, that that was him. Rorschach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One thing I want to note real quick is that like... We're running through these shots in these credits sort of thing and so we uh, get like I hope you're about to say the same thing that Tim and I lost our shit <laughs> we're running through like chicken scratch and like names and that sort of thing and then we get a shot of, of this preschool this central preschool yes. which is called Bad Ham Preschool they, they zoomed in tight on the word bad and then the word school so it's like opening credits it's just like bad school <laughs> why would you yeah. send your child there <laughs> Tim's first note is all caps, BAD SCHOOL. <laughs> it was maybe the... <laughs> we both just lost our shit at that. Yeah, my, my third <laughs> note is all caps, BAD SCHOOL. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely that was evocative. Um, so yeah, this is all pretty strange, but I, I guess it's a spooky intro montage, which I guess was one of our points of remakeability. So they're hitting that out the gate. I know it's very early on, but BAD SCHOOL is definitely my... One and only title pitch. Hey, it's actually a great title pitch. Bad I'm, school I'm is good. That's a fair assessment of what happens oh, in this sh- film. I mean, ba- bad school. Bad school is just a good name for a film. A teen comedy called Bad School. Like you know, I would. It's the sequel. It's <laughs> the sequel school. to Bad Teacher. This time, all of them are bad. Yeah, it's a whole bad school. <laughs> One thing I noted here in this spooky montage, this intro music is feeling, like, too uplifting to me, and one has to wonder why they didn't use One, two, Freddy's coming for you. The, like, iconic song of this franchise. Like, they open with this, like, really kind of strangely uplifting music. But anyway... We're, we're into the film proper, and we see right away that we're at the Sprigwood Diner, because the N in the yeah. neon sign won't light up. I didn't get what that was about. I don't yeah. know if no one else. I think it's just a vibe. Like, Spring, Springwood, Ohio is the, yeah. the town Elm Street is in, so, so I guess, you know, it's just fucking... Sprigwood. 
Yeah. Straight away, though, it becomes pretty apparent that we're in a dream scene because shit's just kind of weird. We get to meet Dean, essentially. Yeah, he's like a bit of a... I mean, he seems like that sort of a frat bro-y sort of dude, but he's. I guess yeah. he's kind of like a coffee bro because, like, coffee seems to be his main his yeah. main desire. Um, but, yeah, fact, he's... Ba- all the boys in this movie, bar one, seem like frat bros. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Dean's sort of sitting there. He's looking, like, pretty fucked up, to be honest. The rest of this cafe is just... Like, this diner is completely deserted. He's yelling out for some coffee. No one's hearing his desperate pleas, and so he gets up to try and find some himself. And he sort of strolls back through to the kitchen, and then he's kind of like walking through, and there's like pigs' carcasses in like pots, and like the stove's on fire. It's very spooky. He looks away, and then we see Freddy's glove, the iconic glove man, running the the fucking blades together, sort of thing. And like, a, what is yeah. I have to say, far more fascinating use of sound design and action than like in the earlier films of like gigantic long arms or anything like that. Oh yeah, there's something something to be said about the the cinematography being better in 2010 than it was in 1984. No question. He walks up and he like slashes Dean across the chest, and like Dean wakes up. But I'm I'm thinking at this point like man how much fun do you think it is to make a movie like this like if you're michael bay or you're whoever and you're like a fan of the franchise and someone's like hey here's the keys to nightmare on elm street dude like just get fucking wild with it like we want a freddy flick and like you can just like trade on these iconic cultural touchstones like the glove and the fedora and the stripy jumper like and at this point i'm thinking like oh man I'm, I'm hype at this point because I fucking love this franchise and I'm like excited for some all-out Freddy action. I do feel like at times they didn't trade on it as much as they could have. Yeah. But uh, yeah. at this point at least I'm feeling pretty good. This is where we learned that the handsome lad he's woken up. His name is Dean. Uh, there's, an, there's a waitress there who's Nancy. I guess she's meant to be our Nancy Thompson in this movie. So then she's kind of like, hey, Dean, I told you, if you keep falling asleep in here, they're going to kick you out. He's like, oh, sorry. She takes away his plate and he's like got blood on his hand. So the cut he got in the dream is now a cut in real life. <gasps> yeah. They're, they're actually yeah. quite quick on this because like it took yeah. the first film like a long time and they're just like right into being like, oh, dreams, you know, like they, they have an effect on the, the material world. To be fair, Tina's nightgown gets slashed in the first scene of the 1984 <laughs> film. But uh, this is it true. is made this up. Is true. It, it's made up to be like it might be her own fingernails. <laughs> 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 so, uh, a lady named Chris comes in She sits down with Dean And he's like I haven't slept in days And they just kind of chat about that for a while Meanwhile we're cutting over to these fucking 2010 ass Chad bros Sitting oh, in another booth uh, I got the names was Jesse, Quinton And an unnamed boy yeah. Who's also there These guys look so like movie studios in 2010's idea of what teens are. Like, they're wearing beanies and, like, tight-fitting hoodies and Joy Division t-shirts. <laughs> you just know that Jesse is such an edgelord, dude. Yeah, he's wearing, oh, like, eyeliner, it looks like, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I've got him noted down as the guy from My Chemical Romance. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, producer of this show, Grace Chapel, will, will love that particular joke. She's, okay. a, she's a big M- MCR fan. MCR. And a big, and a yeah. big MKR. She loves that Australian reality. Yeah, lo- you know, I, I love me a bit of that Manu <laughs> Yeah, dude. Where's the sauce? We're back. <laughs> We're back over with Chris and Dean, and Dean reveals that he's been having these nightmares for years. And at this point, I'm like, okay, he's been having these Freddy nightmares since he was a little boy. Like, he must have gotten pretty fucking good at evading Freddy. Like, at that point, to stay alive this long. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking, like, man, I bet this guy's going to be the protagonist. Like, if he dies really easily, like, that's bullshit. He's like, he must be so good at it by now. He's going to be, like, the dream hero who, like, teaches all the others how to avoid Freddy. But no, 
The very next thing that happens is he falls asleep again. I guess, like, Chris gets up to go get him some coffee or something. I don't know. I can't remember. She leaves. And he falls asleep. The light changes from, like, red to green, which is a nice, like, callback to, like, Freddy's red-green jumper thing. Like, there's a cool use of colour here. Then we get our first, like, full look at Freddy. He's there. He's wrestling with Dean. He's holding this knife. This death I actually Mm. liked a lot. I I, I thought this was really sweet. He's holding the knife. We get to see it from Chris's perspective. And like in Chris's perspective, he's like standing there, like fighting an invisible force, holding a knife at his throat, muttering like, you're not real. You're not real. And Freddy's like, I am real now. And then he like fucking like sticks the knife into his throat and like pulls it across his throat. Yeah, he fucking like decapitates himself essentially. Yeah, it's fucked. He practically sticks the entire length of (laughs) the blade into his neck and I'm sure I'm sure the diameter of his neck is not longer than the blade I'm Uh, sure like it was very jarring for me to watch oh my god it's a mighty goof from Tim Submit that, yeah. <laughs> hey, shall we talk about Freddy's new face and his new voice? Uh, oh, okay. my God. T- tell me all about them. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some new special effects. Yeah, they don't look very... amazing. Yeah, no, yeah. CGI. Neither do they sound very amazing. I, I, I Listen, I love Jackie O'Haley. I can't fucking stand <laughs> yeah, yeah. this Freddy voice. It is so bad. Yeah. <clears throat> I will say... Though it was deep and cool, all I could think is that Freddy's got his voice really close to the mic. (laughs) He sounds a bit like this! (laughs) It wasn't the kind of voice you'd hear, naturally. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I must say, I hated every time Freddy was on screen, no no question about that, but uh, I don't know if that was just because he's such an awful, awful man. (laughs) <laughs> You're just like emotionally negative towards him. Yeah. No, don't, don't don't kill my teens. And now we're at a funeral. Mm-hmm. And Chris is there at the funeral of Dean. She's very sad. She's nodding off at the funeral and she's dreaming some spooky shit. Okay, I have to interrupt very quickly. Like, Chris falls asleep at a funeral. Now, yeah. she's not insomniac at this point, right? So she's just at a funeral. And like, for anyone that has been to one, they tend to be emotionally charged, particularly when it seems to be a guy that, that she was kind of maybe dating or something like that. Well, like at least very good friends with. How do you how do you fall asleep in that scenario? And the like this is the start of like the film kind of being very loose with the concept of what makes people fall asleep. Because yes, it's like a exactly. little bit convenient them being like, oh, it's great here. She nods off. There's no fucking way this girl that's maybe had one rough night of sleep falls asleep in the middle of her friend's funeral. friend's funeral. Yeah, I, I gotta say, like, I, I, I'm jumping the gun a bit on, on a note that I have later. There were too many dream sequences in this movie for me. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, like, 90-minute film, 60 minutes of dream sequences. Yeah. <laughs> People just evading Freddy in different ways. It was like, I, I'm a little over it. There's, like, a little girl standing at the grave, like, looking all spooky, like, tossing some roses in, and it's, it's kind of creepy. Um, at this point, the thing that struck me most, though, was not about the dreaming, but it was just about how old these actors look. And I was like, are they meant to be in high school? This is a very, yeah. like, I, I guess, like, in, in 20, mm. 2018, like, we're more used to, like, when you're portraying high school students using younger actors, like, 20, 21 at the most. Like, I went and looked it up. These actors are all 25 years old. <laughs> and they're meant to be playing, like, oh, I man. guess, high school kids. <laughs> like, and it, it shows. Like, Chris is looking like a full-grown woman here and not yeah. like a high school girl. Man, real quick. Like, Chris looked so familiar. Has she, has she been in something recently? Or, like, was she involved in, like, Friday the 13th or something? Like, she looks so familiar. Nancy Zom's American Horror Story... Is Connie Britton from American Horror Story. Uh, Chris is Katie Cassidy, who I guess was in Click. <laughs> Dude, that's where we knew her from. 
Dude, that's, dude, that's literally just... where I would know her from. Like, <laughs> <laughs> is she the is she the, is she the love interest of Adam Sandler's son and Click? She's twenty seven year old Samantha. But hey, this is the fucked up thing. That movie was in two thousand and six. She would have been twenty one playing a twenty seven year old. So then she was like, "I'm twenty five now. Time to play a seventeen year old." She just can't get it right. Can we just like take a quick second to pause and talk about how good Click is as a movie? Because like, yeah. I fucking love that movie. Yeah, I feel like that's a pretty... People are pretty hot on Click these days, you know? Like yeah, I, people I, are big... I feel I feel like people for a while there were like, you know what, fuck Click, fuck uh, like Adam Sandler, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know, that, I, I think... commonly held sentiment? <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Click and fuck Adam Sandler? Yeah. Hey, hey, first of all, fuck you and the Click you claim. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good me high five me <laughs> yeah right. it's good to know when you've when you've done a good one yeah so okay so chris gets up she goes over to the like photo board that's there and she sees like a photo of like herself as a baby hanging out with dean and she's like huh i didn't know i knew dean when i was a little kid how how weird is that then like jesse comes over who was the guy in like the my chemical romance boy and i guess chris's ex-boyfriend and he's basically like hey uh what happened you were there and she's like it looked like it looked like someone was making him do it. And to me, I'm like, that is such an immense logical leap for yeah. her to make. Particularly because we saw it as well. Like, it didn't really look like that. Like, because no. like, he, he was like holding a knife towards himself and be like, you're not real, you're not real. And then stabbed himself in the neck. Like, yeah. it didn't look like he was wrestling with someone. He was just kind of, like, holding no. the blade there. It's true. I gotta say, though, that immense logical leap maybe qualifies as a point of remakeability because that was a thing that was pretty <laughs> fucking prevalent in the 1984 movie. These kids just making absurd jumps yeah. about, like, things about Freddy. Nancy's talking to Chris. Then Jesse says just such a horrifying thing when, like, Nancy's grilling her about it. Jesse's like, she's already fucked up, so leave her alone. Dude, I had that as well. That was my... My first title pitch as well. That's just such an awful thing to say. Such an awful thing to say to someone at a funeral. Like, why is he doing that? Like, was he trying to be defensive? I just didn't get it. Yeah, it's like he was being protective, and but like, he just really, he fucked the landing so bad. Okay, so we jump ahead a little bit. It's that evening. Nancy's in bed. Like, time, like, this was a weird thing that didn't recur. Like, time starts running backwards for a minute. Like, I swear, like, mm. the clock was counting backwards That's right, or with something. the uh, yeah. condensation on the yeah, glass. Yeah, the condensation on the glass was, like, like, and they made, like, a time travel sound effect. Like, yeah. was that a thing later? But, no, I, it wasn't, because, like, they come back to it and she looks at the condensation, right? Yeah. And I thought, like, what, is that what she's judging the cue on? Is it, like, this going to be a big thing? Like, she watches if time shifts and yeah. that's when Freddy's around or something? Yeah, no, that was um, super weird. But then, so... The thing that was cool about it was we got a direct one-to-one reshot of that cool, like, face coming through a wall thing from the original film over even Nancy in bed. But, like, it certainly looked shittier because it was not a practical effect. It's also worth noting here that, like, yet again, Nancy doesn't recognize it. Like, what is this Freddy doing that he's just kind of like, huh? Uh, What is the value add here? Yeah. Why is he like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna, this is for me, this is a practice run. (laughs) Yeah, he's trying stuff out. So now, now we're smash cutting to Chris talking to her mum and she's like looking at photos of her and Dean and she's like, I don't remember knowing Dean when I was a little kid. And her mum's like, hmm, 
How strange. For me, like, actually foreshadowing that the parents aren't telling the kids everything is kind of cool. Because yeah. that was, like, decidedly lacking in the original film. Like, literally, like, the, the halfway point of that movie, all of a sudden, Nancy's like, why have you been hiding this from me? And it's just like, well, they haven't been. You didn't ask. <laughs> like, there was no impetus for them to tell you anything. Like, here at least, like, early in the film, we've got them being like, hey, mom, what the fuck? Like, tell me, tell me what's going on here. So... That was cool. What's also cool is this title pitch I had when, uh, upon Chris asking about, like, did I know Dean when I was younger sort of thing? How come I don't remember any of this? Chris's mum turns to her and is just like, huh, who can remember being five years old? Which is just, like, <laughs> such an absurd thing to say to someone. Be like, oh, no, I think you'll find you can't. Like, it's like, I yeah, definitely do. I remember being five years old. Yeah. I was in kindergarten at Sorrento Primary, and somebody brought in... And this is... Oh, my God. You know what, actually, Jackson? I'm having a moment right now where I'm uh, uncovering a, a memory that might explain something to listeners of this show. One of the, like, fun no. activities we were doing in, in kindergarten was... Somebody brought in like a big thing of goo. Fuck like off. Like a dude. big, like a dude. big tub. Dude. dude. No, I'm not making this up. Somebody brought in a big, like, huge tub of goo. And we were all like playing in the goo. Like, just like pulling <laughs> our hands, like, in and out of the goo. And this is the fucked up thing. I threw up all in the goo. <laughs> I, just, I just vomited. I straight into the big tub of goo. And I. <laughs> I mean, the episode title has to be throwing up in the goo now. Like, that's, that's it. That's what we have to call this episode. I don't know if that's where my goo interest comes from or, or what, but yeah. That's psychically horrifying, dude. That image of you as a five-year-old boy being like, what is this substance? And then throwing up into it. Yeah, that's, that's true. I might have been forked. It was kindergarten. But even so, I remember even earlier than that. One thing I noted here that was kind of cool is that, like, so Chris is our stand-in for Tina in this movie. And Chris's room even kind of looks like Tina's room, which I thought was pretty cool. Like, the position yeah. of the bed and the window and everything. Like, I wonder if that was deliberate. But at any rate, uh, Chris goes up into the spooky attic because, like, everyone has to have a spooky attic, right? Like, no one can just have a house without, like, a spooky attic full of old shit. And I was feeling very Friday the 13th at this point. Like, the scene where they go up in the spooky attic and that horrible redneck boy finds that mannequin. <laughs> uh, it was very reminiscent. <laughs> I miss that boy so much. So she's up in the attic and there's all these boxes and like she, she opens this box and she pulls out this little like, you know, primary school uniform with all these like Freddy claw marks down the front of it. And at this point I'm thinking like, why would her mom keep that shit? Like if, yeah. some, if she had some horrifying Freddy experience in kindergarten and I was like, oh, I'll just keep this slashed up dress she wore. But of course it's all a dream. So mm. Freddy comes out and spooks her and she wakes up in her bed and I was like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I have a note here which is Freddy's voice is too deep for a boy who twiddles his knife fingers. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Because this is a callback to, you know, when we first see that claw hand, he kind of like twiddles his fingers, and I know we all describe it as very cool, but I personally thought this was a bit of a, like, comical Freddy moment. I thought we were yeah. going to get comical Freddy from this. Um, this kind of looks like he's, like, preparing to tickle him. He's like, ooh, here they come, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I get that, I get that. So that's why he was like a Jim Carrey Grinch. Kind of. <laughs> oh, dude. Twiddling his long dude, Grinch. Okay, <laughs> shut up. I, I would pay so much money to see Jim Carrey as Freddy Krueger. Are you kidding me? Yes, like, dude. Like, peak and Jim yes. Carrey as Freddy Krueger? Are you Fucking Dude, how, how's this? How's this? So, like, in, in the scene where he gets burned alive, spoiler, spoilers, he, like, fucking barrels the camera and goes, SMOKE IT! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, as he's, like, run, as he's running down, as he's running down corridors chasing kids, he's like, SOMEBODY STOP ME! <laughs> Dude, what, what, what other, what, what other good 
Jim Carrey not lines do we know? Oh fuck! Hey, hey, you remember there was that like son of the mask? Like that could even work for like um. That oh, the dream child. Dream child, where Freddy has a son. Yeah, Jesus. Dude. Okay, all right. Enough of that. At this point, in this like spooky attic where Freddy's spooking Chris, he has a line which became a title pitch for me, which is just remember me now i think that line pretty much well encapsulates this film if you think of it as like something said to the audience and not to chris (laughs) something said by new line cinemas to the audience (laughs) remember freddy this guy yeah your old pal freddy we haven't had one of these movies in seven years Now we're back at school, Nancy's at her locker, and this hip boy named Quentin comes over. And I've noted, man, the way Quentin is dressed here, like, could he be more, any more of a 2010 hip cat? He's got his Joy Division t-shirt, he's got his beanie on. I'm just astonished he doesn't, like, have, like, drumsticks that he's always carrying around and, like, drumming on his notepad, you know? Like, that would, like, really complete the look. Yeah, he's pretty dreamy. I guess, you know, kudos for showing a little bit of restraint. Uh, And they're standing there, and then Quentin's dad comes out of his office, who is the principal, and he's like, Quentin, get to class. And Quentin looks at Nancy and is just like, my dad. <laughs> she's like, she's like, I know. And it's like, yeah, of course she knows. Like, you both go to this school. You're supposedly friends. Like, you know that's... Dude, like, she it's knows such that's a your weird dad. fucking line. Like, I, I had that as well. I was like... And like, just the way he delivered it, just kind of like that... <laughs> My dad. And she's like, yeah, yeah, of course, dude. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, but can you imagine, like, if, if, if in high school, like, you were, like, good friends with the kid who was, like, the son of the principal, and the principal came over and, like, said something to his son, and he was like, that's my dad. Like, he'd be like, yeah, I know. What a strange thing to fucking say. Now we're in class, and I gotta say, man, Chris, like, she's falling asleep in class again. Like, she's just woken up. She's like, first, she's... Like, it's school, presumably. Like, start of the day. She's falling asleep in class. She's daydreaming about fucking Freddy. She's she's walking through... I don't know, what, what happens even in this dream? Like, it's just another one of these fucking Freddy dreams. She's, like, walking around. She sees Freddy. She screams and wakes up. Yeah, pretty much. Like, Freddy... She, uh, that's right. She corners... Like, Freddy corners her in a classroom. And, like, at this point, I've got to say, like... Chris is getting an LVP nomination for me here. One, for how little she can keep her fucking eyes open. And two, for the <laughs> fact that she, she stops running. Like, she gets in the classroom. Freddy's there. He's scraped his nails on the chalkboard. And she just stands there while he monologues at her for a while. And then she wakes up screaming in class. Like, she doesn't even try and get away. That's some bullshit. So she wakes up in class screaming and she leaves and goes home. I gotta say, this is, a, this is following the plot pretty well. Like, that's a nice, nice bit of callback. And another way that they're really, like, following the original film is that they're making the rules about dreams and reality completely unclear yes. so like how yeah, does she wake yeah. up here does she wake up because she screams and her own scream wakes her up if so why doesn't that work anytime anyone screams like what's the what's the deal on like what will and won't wake you up it's very it's very inception for me and <laughs> this is something i wanted to know when did inception come out oh fuck dude um 20 2010 dude 2010 wow. they're contemporary films Insane. this movie and inception came out in the same year and neither of them do a particularly good job of informing you about what will and won't get you out of a dream. If you want to hear my thoughts on Inception, check out my blog. <laughs> We're not going to go into that right now. Like, do you feel like... We've touched on this before, I think, in Footloose, where it's just like, these fucking kids, like, they have so much free reign. Like, they're just doing whatever the fuck they want. Like, she's driving home from school. She's got her own car. She can drive it. Like, 
It's weird. <laughs> weird how much time and freedom they get in high school. We see a nice little shot of the Elm Street sign, which I really liked because we um, yeah. that was something missing from the original. So it was nice having that actual shout out and like location sort of thing. Yeah, you know, Elm Street is never actually referred to in the original film. Yeah. We also get to meet Rufus, Chris's dog. And what a good boy he is. He just seems like such a very nice and kind dog. <laughs> he does seem like a sweet boy. Yeah. So Chris is in the garage, I guess. She's about to go up. Is she about to go in the attic? Is that what she's doing there? And then she, her mum like comes in from the garage oh. and is like, I have to fly to London on a red eye tonight. Like, she's what like, a <laughs> thing to just announce like that. Like, surely, like, yeah, I guess she's like a pilot or a flight attendant or something. It's not really clear. But, like, surely tell your daughter, like, more than two hours before that you're flying to London. Like, hey, sorry, sweetie. Going to London. Like, you just post your schedule for the week on the fridge or something. And then, like, she'd know what was going on. But Jesse just shows up at her window. And she's like, oh, my dreams are so scary. And he's like, yeah, dreams, right? Blah. They're exchanging information. I guess it becomes clear they've both been having these Freddy dreams. <laughs> Chris says something. She says, a, t- a title pitch for me. All I want to do is go to sleep, but if I do, he's going to kill me like Dean. <laughs> Which, to me, it's just such a poorly expressed yeah, sentence. Yeah, it's really, and like, it's not good. It's very Dr. Phil. Like, you know how those, like, Dr. Phil episode titles are like, my incarcerated boyfriend knocked up my sister and now they're having my niece slash daughter and like it's all one sentence and everything's like inner capped like this to me I just picture it inner capped all I want to do is go to sleep but if I do he's gonna kill me like Dean <laughs> Jesse sleeps over and Chris hears some spooky noises and goes outside yeah she's trying to she's hearing barking and that sort of thing so she's out yeah. uh, roaming about she goes out there she's calling for Rufus she goes out to find him sort of thing and it's kind of like alright very, very brave and that sort of thing and then we also get the corpse of poor Rufus who Freddy has just like gutted and I'm kind of like yeah. Dude, but like is this is this the film commenting on whether or not dogs have like the concept of dreams <laughs> Well, I didn't. I didn't think that um, Rufus actually died in real life because if he does, it's never mentioned again. But we never see him again. Yeah, it's an interesting question. If Rufus is actually dead, that is an interesting point. <laughs> but if yeah. Rufus is not actually dead, then this is like ultimately not that impactful. Freddie says. I was just petting him. Which to me Ugh. is like a cool Freddy one-liner. Which like, I feel like he didn't really do that much of it no. in the original film. No. Like in the 1984 movie, it kind of was a later thing where he's like pulling people's faces into TV screens. yelling like, welcome to prime time, bitch. Like kind of shit. Yeah. Like that, that didn't really become a thing until later in the franchise. But they're, they're straight on with it here, which I, I like, you know. Uh, yeah. I like having some of that goofy Freddy stuff, but like really they don't, they don't really do it in the spirit of goofy Freddy. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I really noticed is she has an extremely rich house. Yeah. You notice the gun? She has a palatial estate. It is insane. Yeah. Ridiculous. And her mum, I guess her dad's not really in the picture, and her mum yeah. is either a pilot or a flight attendant. Like, they must have made that money in later years, because like, no one that rich sends their children to bad school. You don't see a school <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to drop them off here. Like, that's so dumb. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, also, interesting point. This is 2010, man. It's just after the GFC. Like, how are they affording yeah, to live yeah. this lifestyle? Oh, hang on. It's it's that whole subprime mortgage sort of thing. Like, they, they like, borrowed and borrowed. They can't actually afford the house at all. Like, Chris's mum, when she's like, oh, I'm, I'm flying away, she's actually fleeing in the country and that sort of thing. But this is after that, Jagger. This is post-GFC. Maybe they, maybe maybe they were the people who big-shorted it. Maybe they were the ones who oh. shorted the housing market. Oh. And that's how they're able to be part of the 1%, even though we're post-housing market crash. 
And maybe, maybe Freddie went under. Maybe that's what happened. That's it's actually it's, it's all about capitalism, unfortunately. Yeah, maybe maybe New Line Cinemas went under, and that's why they're making this film. Um, so she she's dreaming. She runs back in her in her home. Now she's like in a primary school, and yeah, this is where we're getting the song. I think this is probably where you heard it. So like yes. now the song comes in. One, two, Freddie's coming for you. Uh, yeah, I mean that song is definitely like a remakeable part of this franchise. No question, it's something that you'd want to trade on. No doubt. Uh, she's walking through yeah. the school. It's very spooky. I guess she sees Freddy like at the chalkboard, being like, eh, four, three, two, one, ready or not, here I come." And then she wakes up, and oh boy, is she sweaty! That is a lot of sweat. Yeah. <laughs> like, she gets up, she goes to the bathroom, she washes her face, she goes back to bed, and like, if you've watched a lot of horror movies, like you know what's coming. Like yeah. the music has kind of died down. It's very quiet. You're just waiting for the next big jump, and of course, Freddy's in the bed with her. He's like, you know, attacking her, slashing her, and now what we get is a honestly poor remake of Tina's death scene. Oh man, this is so fucking goofy. It, it sucked, man, compared to Tina's death. Like, Jessie's on the ground being like, Chris, Chris! And like, she's like flying up in the air. She's like, sort of like, limply banging around. Freddy is fucking ragdolling her. It's like a ragdoll simulator sort of thing. And she's just like, rolling around. And it, it doesn't look terrifying or like, you no. know, we aren't worried about her. She's just like, flailing limbs all over the place. And it looks fucking ridiculous. Whereas like, yeah. in the original, like, Tina, when she gets pulled up to the ceiling, she gets, like, tucked up in the corner, and she's, like, rolling the roof, and it's actually kind of fucked up looking, and there's so much more blood, like, in the, I, I was expecting, like, okay, this is a Michael Bay film, like, this is gonna go all out, like, there's gonna be, like, she dies, and, like, blood explodes all over the room, there's none of that, man, like, she just, like, she just gets, like, slashed across the middle, and just, like, falls down onto the bed dead, and, like, there's nothing, nothing in the way of, like, stupidly <laughs> grisly death, like, I was yeah. expecting a really grisly death, which was one of our points of remakeability, like, I was hoping for a grisly death, but this just doesn't deserve it. Mm. It just wasn't there. This was a time when the slowness of the film became extra apparent because <laughs> it was a massive build-up for a, you know, very subpar death. Mm. Mm. That's true. So Jesse flees, covered in blood. Uh, interesting that that would be his first choice of thing to do. Yes. Particularly because, like, they presumably are going to, like, any autopsy will be like, oh, there's got to be some sort of murder weapon involved in that sort of thing. There's no fucking yeah. weapon <clears throat> in that room. And, like, no, surely your best bet is to call the police. <laughs> and now we're at Nancy's house. Because, like, Nancy's talking to her mom. Her mom leaves. Nancy's sitting in a room doing her creepy sketches. And then Jesse just comes in through the window again. And I gotta say, dude, MVP for Jesse for his ninja window climbing abilities. Because he fucking gets in and out of some second story windows with ease. Yeah. He just, like, he's in, he's out. Like, he's not fucking about. He, he really can get, a bit, get in and out without being seen. Uh, I want to make a point about Nancy's sketches. I sort of had a glance around the room, and most of them look like little stick men. Because it was like, she was sketching, and I thought, like, oh, she's like an artist. But it kind of seemed like little stick people. Are you shitting on her fictional art, Tim? Yeah, I have to I mean, say, I just... They look pretty shit. I just no, thought this... they would pick something else. <laughs> 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 why is her art so shitty? That's a good question. Uh, and, and why is she doing it at all? That's what I want to know. Like, why is she even doing this? But anyway, uh, so Jesse's there. Oh, I don't know. I honestly kind of tuned out for a minute here. This was so boring. He's, like, explaining... He's explaining to Nancy that he didn't kill that he didn't kill Chris and that there was someone else there. 
like, I, I honestly don't know, like, why he came here. Like, what was his plan? Like, he, he runs into Nancy's house. He's not, like, asking her for help. He's not asking her for shelter. He's just like, oh, oh Chris is dead, and I didn't do it, and oh, I guess Freddy's real, and he can kill you. Oh, yeah, and then he says, if oh, you man. die in your dreams, I'm, you die for yes, real. thank you. <laughs> I was, because when you were like, when you were like, I zoned out here, I was like, you didn't miss it, did you? Like, like Jesse running over yeah. and being like, Nancy, Nancy, if you die in your dream, you die for real. And then, like, jumping out the window and, like, running away from the cops. Like, it was so stupid. Like, he went there to just tell her that. Like, he couldn't call her. It's 2010. Like, they have phones. He could have rung. Like, he didn't have to break into her house to do it. Gonna have to stop you for a minute here because we've got our first mighty goof for this film. So, when Jesse runs out of Chris's room, this is just so fucking stupid. When Jesse runs out of Chris's room, he grabs his pants and shoes. In the next scene, he runs out of the house wearing them without having taken the time to stop and put them on. Oh <laughs> so, like, God, this IMDb user is mad that we didn't, like, stop to watch <laughs> Jesse put his pants on. Like, can you imagine this, like, high-tension scene? Chris has just died. Then, like, the film just stops for a second while Chris, like, shimmies into his skinny jeans. Jesse, that is. And then, like, runs along the street. <laughs> And this IMDb user was like, I can't believe they didn't show that. <laughs> and then the next thing you see, he's in prison. <laughs> like, he's not in the local county jail. Like, he's wearing the orange jumpsuit. Like, he's just straight in prison. And I'm thinking, like, man, this is fucked up. He gets escorted to a cell. Like, this is moving quickly. The cell door opens. Uh, he walks in. There's a guy sitting on the top bunk. And this weird thing happens where the guy who's sitting on the top bunk gets off, like, squares up to him, and then lies down on the bottom bunk. Like, did he just acknowledge subservience to Jesse? Like, did Jesse just walk in? And this guy who's already in there, like, pop down and be like, what are you about? Oh man, shit, you're pretty scary. <laughs> Get down on the bottom bunk? What the fuck was that about? He was like, oh dude, that's the guy from My Chemical Romance. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. oh dude, Jared Way? I love that guy. What a hero. Oh dude, you're, you're a personal hero of mine. You can have the top bunk. <laughs> Man, welcome oh, to the Black shit. Parade, dude. Get up, get right on up there. <laughs> uh, so Nancy calls Quentin, and Nancy calling Quentin is intercut with Jesse having a mental breakdown. Like he's sitting on the top bunk, like hitting his head, being like, "Stay awake, stay awake, stay awake." Like tapping his foot, and the guy on the bottom bunk's like, "Hey, shut the fuck up." I guess he's over the My Chemical Romance thing. Yeah. He's making lots of noise. He didn't realise that Jared's songwriting process would be so irritating, you know what I mean? <laughs> he's, he's working on that next yeah, MCR could... banger, like, stay awake, stay awake. <laughs> he clearly <laughs> hadn't read last month's Rolling Stone interview with Jared Way. <laughs> yeah. Do all the percussion on my body by slapping myself in the face, and then I just kind of, like, say the main line again and again, and that's how I write songs. So, Quentin is sitting in the library... He's doing some research, and he's searching the internet. God bless 2010 filmmaking, because he's using a search engine called oh, Gigablast. Oh, <laughs> oh, he, like, types, he types into the search bar, sleep deprivation, and then he clicks Blaster. She's <laughs> like, this is peak. Peak 2010 filmmaking. No, man. but actually, the thing is, we we see blast off being clicked before the reveal of Giga Blast as well. <laughs> yeah. So I'm completely confused as to why he's the button that says uh. blast off. Like, 
Because, like, nowadays, if you were making a movie, like, you'd just use Google or something that looked like Google, or you wouldn't yeah. try and make your own off-brand search engine and try and establish it as, like, the in-universe canon. Like, I'm not sure if you ever saw it, but, like, it was in shows like Hawaii Five-0 and that sort of thing where they had a big push from Bing... And, like, Bing would sponsor yeah, these dude. shows. And, like, on Hawaii Five-0, they'd be trying to solve part of the mystery. And I shit you not, someone would ask a question, and then the other person would be like, huh, I don't know, just Bing it. Like, that, that was, like, <laughs> an actual line of dialogue in an actual TV show. Like, mm, I don't know, dude, just Bing it. This is, to me, reminiscent of how, like, for the longest time, like, TV and film handled, like, text messaging and digital communication so poorly. Like, do you remember how, like, you know, someone would pull up a phone, and it's, like, just the screen is just all caps like where are you yeah dude that fucking kelly roland messaging that guy out yeah. on like well, yeah, microsoft excel yeah that's the that's the epitome of it <laughs> and like for so long like that was like the level of like the understanding of communication in that way but then like netflix came along and we're just like what no we'll just use the, the bubbles <laughs> like we'll just use the bubbles everyone knows and just make the texts look like texts and i feel like this was like right before that trend and so this was this was peak so yeah. at this point i got another mighty goof for you when Quinton is searching the internet, he types the search term sleep deprivation, then presses enter, then uses the mouse to click the search button. Generally, after pressing enter, you wouldn't need to click the button afterwards to get hey, the that's, results. That's a good <laughs> point, dude. That's a good point. I mean, I'm with that one. It is, but it's also like, do we know <laughs> Do we know how Gigaplast works? Like, maybe you have to do both. What's the username of that submission? Alright, let me find out. Yeah, it's gonna be Bing. <laughs> Microsoft what? Bing. It, 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 uh, it could be like Mrs. Gigablast or something like that. And it's like them being like, you idiot, yeah. that's not how you use our search engine. Yeah, stop misrepresenting Gigablast. <laughs> yeah. We could have been a contender. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is single-handedly responsible for the death of Gigablast. Uh, you know, we, we can't actually see who wrote that one. Ah. It's a shame. One thing that I think is worth noting is that like, as Quentin's searching this and starts to doze off, his computer enters sleep mode. And at that point, I was like, are we going to get on some fucking Freddy is in the internet bullshit, which I am so ready for. And we never yeah, did. Dude. But can I you fucking so, imagine? I had a similar thing. The computer's going to sleep. I was like, is yeah. the computer about <laughs> to get die. killed in its dream? Yeah. It just goes like blue screen and Quentin's like, huh, that's weird. Like, <laughs> No, dude, a little pixelated Freddy comes out and like slashes the screen. Dude. Uh. <laughs> Just slashes his applications. They all uninstall. Yeah, I've got down <laughs> Digital yeah, Freddy. Yes, yeah, <laughs> the, the mouse hovers over like Windows 32, like right clicks, delete, and like that's it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah just fucking bricks. Oh, shit. Okay, at this point... So, okay, so now we have another one of these, like, thoroughly pointless spooky Freddy dreams where, like, nothing actually happens. He's walking through a spooky version of the library, like, following a spectral child. He ends up in a back room, there's a bunch of kids, and then Freddy appears, and then he wakes up. Somebody... I think Nancy comes in and sits down... Yeah, Nancy comes in and sits down next to him there at the table, and they're talking about Freddy. I want to know, at what point did they learn he was called Freddy? Because they just start calling him Freddy. That's a very good point. <laughs> it feels like something that's worth showing, potentially. Like, when it was noted down. Like, I don't know if that is a legitimate goof or not. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I had no idea when, why they started calling him Freddy, but they, but they just did. Dude, that is a goof. Quentin's like, hey, I've been researching sleep deprivation, and it turns out you take micro naps if you don't sleep for too long, and then that could be dangerous because, you know, Freddy. And then she's like, yeah, right, of course, Freddy, that would be very dangerous if we were falling asleep all the time. And then 
then I'm pretty sure that's the end of the scene, and now we're back at, like, Jesse apparently getting out of jail. Somebody's posted his bail. He walks out of his jail cell, he walks out into the corridor, and then he turns around, and the corridor's blocked off behind him. And, oh shit, we're in yet another dream sequence. There are too many fucking dreams in this movie. And now he's in the spooky pipe room. Like, he, he, he turns around and boom! It's Freddy's spooky pipe basement nice. from the original movie. Lots of scary pipes, lots of steam. He walks down into this very scary, like, industrial production line world. And there's fucking Freddy with his claws dragging along pipes, making them all spark. So then Jesse's, like, walking through the shit and he sees the corpses hanging up. He sees Dean and he sees Chris both dead like hanging upside down and he's like oh my god and then freddy comes in hits him with some spooky one-liners pushes him up against their corpses and starts interrogating him like there's a little bit of actual freddy dialogue here actually specifically he says a very cool line because i think it's jesse says oh god and then freddy says no just me <laughs> so dude that's very rorschach whoa well, yeah dude no, it's that's so, so rorschach, rorschach i couldn't shake it no gods, no kings, only Freddy. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, shit. Can you imagine if, like, Freddy rocks up in the prison sort of thing and is like, uh, like, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me! And then, like, fucking, like, slash <laughs> <laughs> shit. Jesse's like, what do you want from me? And Freddy's like, can you bring the dead back to life, Jesse? Can you turn back time? And then he's like, no, I I really can't. And then Freddy's like, what are you screaming for? I haven't even cut you yet. And then he disappears. And again, if you've seen horror movies, you know what's coming. Jesse stands up, he looks around, Freddy's gone, and he's like, oh god, I'm gonna be safe. And then... Freddy's hand, like, bursts from behind, out through Jesse's chest, goes right through him. So gratuitous. Mm. Like, I wrote down, there's the grisly death I was looking for. Fuck yes, that was huge. That is a point of remakeability, no doubt. A fucking incredibly grisly death, where he bursts through a guy's chest. Like, that's sweet. Jesse's cellmate is like, sees this, like, explosion of blood happen, and is like, oh, get me out of here! I didn't do it, I swear! Yeah, he immediately starts claiming his innocence. That's his yeah. go-to. It's not yeah. to be like, hey, this guy's dead. It's, I'm innocent! I didn't do it! Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, I believe you. He is innocent, but boy, that's a way to sound guilty. Like, no one's even there yet. No one's even, like, seen that this guy's dead. And to the first, like, the way you're gonna raise the alarm is by screaming I'm innocent. I didn't do it. Like, that doesn't seem very sensible to me. We then jump back to the dreams uh, sequence and even though old mate Jesse is dead, uh, Freddy has him strung up and is like, oh, we're just going to keep playing. And like, you know that uh, oh, the, brain, so the brain keeps functioning seven minutes after the heart stops. So we've got like six more minutes to play. Which... That is so stupid, man. Like he had <laughs> his heart ripped out of his chest. There is no way he's living for seven minutes. Like, also his lungs must be punctured, and he's like screaming. Like, it must be like so complete collapse, right? Dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conversely, I'm giving Mr. Haley an MVP nom for that because I loved his little laugh at the end of it. He okay. says six more minutes to play, and does a little laugh. I think he does a fantastic job, so he gets my only MVP. Oh, wow, the go. only oh. MVP to, to, to Chris, Chris exactly, Haley? Exactly, yeah, to yeah. Mr. Haley. Yeah, there you go. So now we're back in the library, I guess, and it's Nancy and Quentin talking, and 
like Nancy sees Quentin's little Jesus necklace and she's like, I didn't have you down as the religious type. To which Quentin replies, gotta believe in something. Which to me is like the most insane <laughs> rationale for being a Christian. Just like, you know, gotta believe in something. So like, that's why I'm a Christian. Because, you know, you gotta believe in something, right? And like, that's it. He doesn't, he doesn't elaborate any further. He's just like, yeah, you know, you, you gotta be. <laughs> This is where we get a little more elaboration about micronaps, essentially, and this concept which becomes very relevant for the film. Basically, after 70 hours, the brain sort of, like, starts, like, shutting down, and to help itself, we'll have little micronaps where, like, the brain will dream without even realising it, and then after, like, something like 10 days or whatever, uh, it induces a coma, which Quentin uh, very intelligently remarks is like permanent sleep. Which, like, I get it, like, <laughs> but, like, being, like... Comas are like permanent sleep. Feels like the dumbest thing you could say in a situation. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It's not very compelling as a statement. Uh, So now Nancy's back home, I guess. She's continuing to make her fucking creepy serial killer sketches. Like, I still don't know why she's doing this. But, like, Nancy's mum comes to the door. She's like, what's up? And Nancy's like, hey, mum, did I know Quentin when we were little kids? And did we ever know a guy named Freddy? And the mum's just like, hmm. None of that rings a bell to me. Which, like, she's doing such an awful job lying. Again, I like that it's actually foreshadowed, but she's got to get an LVP on for me for doing yeah, such a I think terrible job of lying. <laughs> like, she's just like, hmm, that nah, weird. Like, it'd be so easy to just be like, oh, you know, small town. Yeah, you guys probably went to primary school together. I don't remember. Like, why would I remember that? Like, instead, she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally like, hmm. Freddy? Is that how you say it? I've never heard that Did you say Fredo? Fredo? No, I never... Quantico? I don't know that. Like, mom, a guy from school. No, school? Bye. Like, it's so unconvincing. At this point, Dr. Gwen Holbrook, MD, I guess, although that's not really elaborated on, calls someone on the phone and says, Hey, it's Gwen. Nancy's starting to remember. Which I guess Nancy's starting to remember could be a title pitch. If Nancy's starting to remember isn't one of the taglines also, I just wanted to get out ahead of that. If Nancy's starting to remember isn't a tagline, I'll be stunned. Now Nancy's getting ready for the bath, and I'm like hype here. I'm thinking we're about to get that iconic bath scene where Nancy's in the bath and like we're like in the bath water, like looking up at her sleeping, falling asleep in the bath. And like, of course, that is exactly what happens. It's an iconic shot for shot. But for some reason, I don't know why in this movie, like when the Freddy hand comes up like in between her legs while she's in the bath and then like her mom says something and like the hand retracts, the hand just looks so much more like sheepish and goofy oh, totally. like than it did in the original. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that moment in the movie. Movies, just like, oh, like it looked like it was played for laughs, yeah. but like in the original, it was kind of scary. So I don't know. Yeah. So Nancy gets in the bath and she sort of sets an alarm for herself. She's really uh, forward thinking, I guess. Uh, and then so this is where we get like the hand coming up. But then uh, she we hear Nancy's mum and like the hand like sheepishly retracts. Uh, so Nancy's awake and she gets out of the bath and we're sort of thinking like, oh, I guess they're not doubling down on yeah. the spooky dream <clears throat> So stuff. I was thinking, yeah, like they're, they're not having the dream bath thing where she falls back asleep and gets pulled underwater in the bath. I was like, oh, that's a shame. That was actually a cool scene. But no, she is yeah. having a dream because she goes yeah. out the bathroom door and she's in her bedroom. And it's just snowing. And um, I guess there's it's this like sort of snow. D- dream courage slash dream ignorance. Nancy's just kind of like, oh, neat. Just kind of like strolling through, not particularly perturbed. Just kind of like 
checking out why her room is like an Arctic Top Wonderland. And now she's at bad school. Like, she's walking through the dream. She's at bad school. She, like, <laughs> all of a sudden is teleported there. She, like, goes into the front door of bad school and she runs into Freddy there. And he's like, hey, uh, I knew you when you were a kid, Nancy. And he does some really creepy shit. I, I just say here, I actually gave Nancy an MVP here because, like, she oh. actually is fucking brave, like, in this moment. Like, everything you say about, like, sort of, like, dream courage and that sort of thing, like, I mean, I, I agree with it. But in this moment when she's confronted with Freddy, she's just, like, straight up eyeballing him and being like, what the fuck do you want? And is trying to figure it yeah. out. And I was like, fucking go, Nancy. She also sort of, like, talks some shit about how she set an alarm and he, uh, she's going to wake up. To which Freddy's like, yeah, you set an alarm in your dream. Now, what a this bluff, is dude. what a bluff from Freddy. <laughs> yeah, it's a bluff. It's fucking bullshit as well. Because what it means is, yeah. is that the second she hit the bathwater, she passed the fuck out. There's no fucking yeah, way well, that she like because she gets the, in the bath and then immediately sets the alarm. It just doesn't make any sense. It's also strange because like playing with the like Freddy trying to convince them when they are not asleep, like that's not an element of this movie. Like it's a weird no. thing to just kind of do once. <laughs> like to try and be like, mm, no, no one's coming to save you. That part where you thought you got into bed and went to sleep, that was all part of the dream. And actually <laughs> you've been asleep all day. Hey, that is very inception. And then Quentin fucking calls her and wakes her up anyway. So it was like, what was the point of not waking her up then? Like, imagine if, yeah, like, like he could have just gotten close to her and then the alarm goes off and she snaps awake. And it's like, ooh, go Nancy. Instead, it's like the convenience of Quentin calling her and saving her. It's like, Michael, what are you doing? Yeah, so then at this point, Quentin says something to her on the phone. He says, Jesse's dead. He died in his sleep, which was <laughs> technically true. Probably isn't really a reflection of what happened. No. Like, he died in his sleep. Like, yeah, he had his fucking heart ripped out of his chest while he was sleeping. But you're like, yeah, yeah he, he died in his sleep. <laughs> like, that's te- technically true. It's actually around here, Benno, that I wouldn't mind playing a little tagline game. Mm. Yes, give me those taglines. I want. All right, them. all right. Uh, now, Tim, you're a fan of the show, so I'm sure you know how uh, this old this old chestnut works. So this time, it'll be the uh, one tagline from this film and uh, one tagline each from a different movie. So it'll be three taglines in total, and I want you to pick which one is actually from this but, movie. But they're all they're all real taglines. You didn't make any of them up. Nope. Number one. They're too old for games, but someone still wants to play. Okay. That's interesting. (laughs) Number two, fear is a place. Oh, I really hope it's not that one. Like, that would be so terrible. (laughs) Number three, he knows where you sleep. Okay. He knows where you sleep. He knows where you are all the time. Yeah, like, and like, if it was like a, he sees you when you're sleeping, or like he knows when you're asleep, like that would be, that would be different. (laughs) Like that would make sense of Freddy. To me, the only one that like makes any sense is the first one. But that being said, I have learned hard that they just don't make sense. Like if I, if I try and use logic to puzzle these out, I fail every single time. So... I feel like, you know, you know I, I, I'm going to trust my instincts. I think it's got to be number one. Because, like, number two, what was it? Like, what was, what was number two? A fear is a place. Okay, if that's it, like, what's the place? Is it dreamland in general? Because that's not really established as, like, one location. If anything, it's multiple locations. And, like, then he knows where you sleep. Like, 
That to me might be a movie about like a serial killer or something. I don't yeah. know. What are you thinking, Tim? Give me, give me some help here. Well, does the first one "They're Too Old to Play" does that refer to the fact that they're too old to play those roles? Because <laughs> <laughs> if so, that's it. <laughs> yeah, you know, off the back of that, I think we have to go with number one. I think I'm number one. Yeah. All right, number one, Jacko. Wonderful, wonderful. So the correct answer was he knows where you sleep. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what? where he won't find us like there's no there's no part of it that's about like he can only find them in the dream world when he knows where they are that, that is so fucking stupid oh man um, I swear to god like people listening I'm not trying to get these wrong This one uh, was from the 1980 film uh, Prom Night, uh, the Jamie Lee Curtis vehicle. Uh, one of like the many f- uh, okay. roles which got her the, the, the Scream Queen moniker. And then the second yeah, yeah, sure. was from Session 9 from 2001. What's that film about? I don't know. I'm going to Google it right now. Ooh, an independent psychological horror film. Ooh, Jesus. The film stars David Caruso, Peter Mullen, Stephen uh, Gavadon, a bunch of others. Uh, Brendan Sexton Three, which I love as a name, uh, as an asbestos abatement crew who begin to experience growing tensions while working in an abandoned mental asylum, which is paralleled by the gradual revelation of a former patient's disturbed past through recorded audio tapes of the patient's hypnotherapy sessions. Dog, that sounds kind of kind of good. (laughs) It was uh, moderately well received critically and is considered a cult film. Well, there you go. Mm. Session nine. Everybody hit it up. Download it legally. Use iTunes to get it or whatever. So we got three other taglines for Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm going to run through them real quickly. All right. Give me, give me, give me. Um, A man after midnight. Top one. Never sleep again. Sure. You know, pretty obvious. That, yep. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Although that yeah. could also be Macbeth. Because That's that true. was a tagline of that Macbeth movie. Yeah. <laughs> Number two. All you have to do is dream. Dot, dot, dot. Which doesn't okay, really... Okay, that, that's... Uh, yeah, that makes the opposite of sense in yeah. this film. Yeah. Like, <laughs> ugh, okay, what fine. you really shouldn't do is dream. Please stop dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, guys. Don't yeah. dream. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for not dreaming. Kind of like a take on that. Uh, thank, yeah. you, thank you for smoking. Thank you for um, smoking? Yeah, nice. Yeah. Welcome to your new nightmare is the final okay, I, I definitely would have got that because last night after the film Tim and I were dipping into like how many different iterations of this Nightmare on Elm Street franchise there are because like I mean for starters it has the word nightmare in there that, that's a big giveaway but like <laughs> did you know dude that there was a TV show in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise that was produced by New Line Cinemas called uh, Wes Craven's A New Nightmare <laughs> Oh, see, I, I knew the title. I didn't realize that was a TV show, though. They made two seasons and 44 episodes of Wes Craven's mm, New Nightmare. Man. What was the uh, like, critical acclaim like? Oh, well, let's, let, me, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Reception. 78% on Rotten Tomatoes! <laughs> <laughs> now, now ben, I, 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 ben, I have to tell you, the connection broke up there, and so what I heard was, 78 Hot Tomatoes, which I love at the time. <laughs> For a good film. <laughs> That's a raving. A rating. Oh, shit, no. Uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare was a film. What was the TV show? 
Oh, was the TV show uh, called like Freddy's Nightmares or something? Hang yeah. on, yeah. Freddy Krueger has slain many children and teenagers and is currently on the loose. But after a police officer catches Freddy trying to kill his daughter, Freddy is arrested. <laughs> During the trial, the judge unfortunately discovers Freddy was never read his rights, so the judge must let him go. But it doesn't end there. Oh my god, we have to watch this show. How is that a real thing? What the hell? <laughs> Freddy in like a court drama. Freddy in the big house. Mm. Oh my god. Is he like an anti-hero or? I don't know, dude, but th- this show sounds fucking insane. Episode 14, this is 1988, remember. Rick, Brad Pitt, and Miranda are teenage lovers who leave Springwood. They're cast off, so they check into a hotel, but the hotel is run by sadistic hicks. Also, Miranda is pregnant, pregnant, but is trying to hold down her job. That's the synopsis of the episode starring Brad Pitt. What the fuck? Dude, Kyle Chandler's in that show as well. Other, other notable guest stars. George Lazenby. Fucking James Bond was in this show. Oh my show. god. <laughs> this... Oh my god. Jeffrey Combs. What do we got? Richard Gautier? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Wow. I cannot believe this TV show is a real thing. And that Freddy's not in every episode. And that the first episode is Freddy getting away with killing children because he wasn't read the Miranda rights. Like, that sounds like a sketch someone would write, taking the piss out of Freddy Krueger. <laughs> episode 9. Rebel without a car. Alex finds an abandoned muscle car to be his ticket out of Springwood. Instead, he keeps envisioning the fate of the previous owner. Connie is determined to belong to a sorority, but the initiation process puts her through her own private hell. What the fuck is this show? (laughs) What is happening? Episode 11, title, Do Dreams Bleed? Why would you ask that question? What does that mean? (laughs) Oh, Jesus. We have to do a whole sub-podcast called Freddy's Nightmares. Still into Freddy's Nightmares, where we watch every episode. Episode 16, Cabin Fever. An airline air... That's rough. An airline air discovers he is on a flight to hell. A flight attendant thinks she has found (laughs) Mr. Wright. (laughs) On a flight to hell. (laughs) This is Beelzebub Airways. (laughs) Taking news... Straight to, straight across the river sticks. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Now, we're back in Springwood, Ohio. We're watching the 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street. And Quentin goes over to Nancy's house. Man, these teens get a lot of leash. Like, their parents just don't care where they are. So, they're digging around through, like, old boxes. And they find a photo of Quentin and Nancy together in primary school. And they go and confront Nancy's mum. And, like, I like this scene. This scene felt real and motivated. Like, mm. she actually did lie to the kids earlier. Mm. And, like, she's being like, why did you lie to me? And the mum's like, we lied to you because we didn't want you to remember the truth. And it's like, man, okay, there's actually something here. So now, dude, we're going into this, like, backstory of Fred Krueger. So we learned that he was the, the gardener at this preschool where all the kids went. It's kind of implied that, like, the parents found out he was, like, molesting the kids. And, like, it's kind of grimdark. And, like, we're not going to dwell on it too much. But, like, that's... Yeah, it's it's certainly more than we got in the original movie. Like, in the original movie, it was very glossed over. Like, he was a bad man who did awful things to children. And, like, that was the extent of it. In this one, it's like, we see some, like, cuts on one of the kids' backs. Yeah, and then at the end of the story, she's like, but he left town and 
none of us ever found him again. And I'm kind of like, okay, is that how we're playing this? Is that what happened here? Nancy's like, are you sure about that? And mum's like, yeah. And then next scene, essentially, Quentin and Nancy, like, are in there. And I'm going to give an LVP to Quentin. Because, like, literally, like, Quentin's like, well, I guess it was all in our heads after all. And it's like, Quentin, how did you forget about that? Like, what happened? Even, no matter how convincing uh, Dr. Gwen Holbrook, whatever her name is, like, could possibly be, there's no way that Quentin can't in immediately in that moment be like, yeah, but like, Jesse died in his sleep, by which I mean his heart exploded out of him, yeah. and oh, Chris yeah, yeah. died he, on he the immediately ceiling. He's like, hey, like, it makes sense. Yeah, he's he's like, wow, I mean, I yeah. guess we were just imagining it all. And it's like, dude, what are you talking about? Quentin's dad shows up at Nancy's house. Quentin's dad, the man with the impeccable timing. And now Quentin's got to go to swim training, I guess. So... Here's a weird thing that happens while Quinton's at swim training. This is my third mighty goof for the episode. Spoiler, spoiler, boys. Uh, this is just bizarre to me. Like, I actually don't know why this would have occurred. During swim practice, Quinton is shown hanging off the dive platform at the end of his lane, listening to the coach talk. Three or four drops of water rise out of the pool and fly up onto his elbow, revealing that this particular scene is being played in reverse. Also, you can just make out from the top right of the screen that the coach is actually walking backwards. (laughs) So, like, they filmed the scene and just played it backwards. Like, what? what is the... Why would they do that? I just don't understand why that occurred. No, dude, it's a callback to when the conversation was going back, I was thinking about that just now, but, like, if so, like, this is really subtle. Like, the water is coming up out of the pool, and, like, you can just see the coach walking backwards, like, they're not, and they don't play the, like, effect they played when the condensation goes backwards, like, what was the... It's really for the day ones, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One thing as well, he's the swim coach running through, like, all, like, the swimming drill they need to do, and at one point he just says... Powerful dolphins off the wall. I, I got the whole quote. So the, the swim talk that the coach gives them here. Work your underwaters. Real tight. Turn around. Powerful dolphins off the wall. <laughs> to me, this all read like ad-libbed jibber-jabber. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. was like, hey, uh, just just do some swim coach talk. You know how swim coaches talk? Like, sorry, we, we forgot to write this scene. Just say some things a swim coach would say. And he's like, work, work, work your underwaters. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you reckon they were like we don't need to write the scene we'll just get an actual swim coach in and this actor was like and then they couldn't yeah, find one no 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 the actor was like yeah I'm a swim coach of course and then got up there and was like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, do, triple triple flip and spin around and powerful dolphins let's let, roll it up let's go do it do it real do it real tight yeah like yeah. he's an extra trying to get some lines yeah exactly <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> during swim practice we're intercut with like Nancy I guess in the school library doing some research on the other names from their like primary school photo that she found she's crossed out Dean and Chris and Jesse in like red marker in the scariest way imaginable <laughs> like on the front of the picture she's like crossed out their faces <laughs> like why would you do that that's so horrifying at this point like I had another flashback to high school at a time when I was in my high school library and there was a kid I was probably in like year 12 there was a kid sitting across the library from me like working on one of the library computers he had on the library computer a photo of his own face and he was like photoshopping out his eyes and replacing them with buttons that were like stitched to his face and I was watching him do this like like over his shoulder like just in the open room and it was 
fucking scary. Like, I was literally like, what the fuck? This kid is photoshopping buttons over his own fucking eyes. Like, maybe he's just really into Coraline? I don't know. But, like, that was so creepy. And this reminded me of that. Like, can you imagine if you, like, saw Nancy, like, over her shoulder, holding a photo of her primary school class with these, like, red X's over the faces yeah. of the class members who've died? That's just not okay. But, of course... We gotta get we gotta get back onto what Nancy's actually doing because what she's doing is using Gigablast. <laughs> Shout out to Gigablast, bringing up that valuable information. I have to give an MVP nom here to the production designer or whoever who made Gigablast because honestly, it looks so good and it brings me so much joy. Nancy's googling the names of all these uh, you know kids who I guess have died in various different ways, like the kids from a primary school class. It turns out lots of them have died in their sleep in mysterious circumstances, but we're into cut like back with the swim scene where now like Quentin's swimming along and then and now we're in a dream scene I guess and he's like drowning in the pool and I'm like oh shit is this like the bath scene that we didn't get before when Nancy got dragged under the bath and had to fight back to the surface but bigger because it's Michael Bay and everything has to be bigger but then like he emerged from the top of the pool and we're in like we're in the upside down like let's just call it yeah. like it's a spooky upside down world and okay for me this scene that's coming is where they really just start just completely throwing out the window the concept of, like, what qualifies as a Freddy dream. Because Quentin now has a dream here where, like, nothing spooky happens to him. It's literally just, like, a flashback to a thing that occurred, like, I guess... 15 years ago, like, when he was a little kid. It's like, he's seeing Fred Krueger, like, still alive, running from all of the parents of the families, and, like, he's holding up in a house, and the parents are, like, chasing him, and they're like, we're gonna get you for what you did to our kids, Fred! And, like, for me, I'm like, is this, like, Freddy giving him a spooky dream, or is he just, like, somehow absorbing this information through the dream yeah. world? Like, it's, it's fucked up. Like, why does he... Why does he... Why is he seeing this? Like, this isn't how dreams have worked at any other point in the movie. Like, there hasn't been a point where someone's just been, like, having prophetic visions. This is a complete departure. Freddy, just wants, Freddy just wants to show his origin story. Yeah, I like, guess. Someone's got to see this. But, like, if so, like, surely he'd make it way more sympathetic to him. Like, the, the Freddy's, like, in this house and Quentin's just watching all the parents. Like, we see Nancy's mum and, like, I guess Quentin's dad roll up on the house. And they're like, come out, Kruger! And he, like, won't come out of the house. So they light, like, a big petrol can on fire. And, like, throw it in through the window and the guy says probably the best title pitch to me which is this is for my son oh dude <laughs> you know like, I love that <laughs> improvised Molotov cocktail like they're basically just doing mob justice because I guess they feel like Freddy got away from them Freddy bursts out of the building like wreathed in flames and he's like running at Quentin standing there in the dream and like for me this is the moment where I was like oh that's Rorschach because we get like a close up on his face and he yeah. looks like yeah. Rorschach <laughs> he really really does but that was one of our points of remakeability a spooky origin story yeah. for your villain so there you go I guess they hit that so alright now we're back with Nancy I guess Quentin like yeah he wakes up in the pool I guess like did he fall asleep while he was swimming? Like, was that... Like, yeah. was that the implication? Like, how did that occur? Like, so he wakes up, like, the people have, like, pulled him out of the pool, they're like, are you okay? And, like, I guess he fell asleep while he was swimming. So, now we're back with Nancy, she's in the library, and she's watching this guy's personal vlog, where he's like, I've been having these spooky Freddy dreams, I just, oh, it's all so scary. And then, like... At the end of it, 
the last thing we see is like he like screams and the feed cuts to static and I'm like who posted the vlog like was the implication that that was him like dying like did Freddy like attack did he have a micro nap and like Freddy killed him and then Freddy posts the vlog like he's like check me out it's an <laughs> but then I found the answer to that Jackson I actually have an answer for you so this is satisfying this is my final mighty goof and this is under the uh, IMDB category incorrectly regarded as goof Marcus Yeon died during his last video blog yet seems to have posted his own death posting technology exists with an automatic posting option in the script Marcus says clicking the auto upload button so apparently, he, it's, it's in the movie. They explain it. He, he says on film that he's going to auto-upload this one, I guess. Still doesn't explain why it well, ends when he dies. It's airtight. Yeah. D- does he say it, or like is it written in the script that he clicks the auto- Auto upload button because that maybe that's it yeah. maybe because like it would be weird for him to be like and clicking auto upload and continuing with my, with my vlog you know what I mean like it's probably yeah, just that, written down that's true <laughs> they should they should have included that as a tagline so people would have known like being like like one of the taglines of the clicking film the is like by, by the by the way Marcus presses auto upload it'll make sense later. And then you get to it, and you're like, "Oh, thanks." <laughs> Wouldn't that be handy if films did yeah, that? Like, if anything, if anything didn't make sense, that like one of the taglines would be like, "This isn't super a spoiler or anything, but just keep it in mind when you watch it." And then you'll be like, "Oh, this is enhanced my goofs addressed in taglines." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they they advance screen the movie for test audiences, and the test audiences report goofs, and the taglines are all based on what the test audiences say. Yeah. <laughs> like you're yeah. gonna think <laughs> this one scene is really strange, but don't worry about. it. I also noticed when Marcus dies, uh, Nancy has literally no reaction. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. She's just like, like oh, <laughs> that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, his face. So I guess Quentin comes and finds Nancy, and then they go talk to Quentin's dad. Like to me, at least one third of Quentin's lines are about or to his dad. <laughs> He's got like a big dad thing going on. Uh, so they're standing in his dad's office, the principal, and like this. This to me was just like this was just fucking ridiculous. Like Quentin starts immediately being like, "You killed Freddy? How could you do that?" And he's like, "He was." molesting you kids and hurting yeah. you and stuff and he's like you don't know that we were, we were kids we could have been lying did you even have any evidence and like the movie becomes about like these teens are like defending Freddy being like he probably didn't molest us we probably just made it up and I'm just like why is that your instinct like based on what like based on what do you assume Freddy's innocence and that like he <laughs> <laughs> it, it made like it made no sense to me. Like we're, we're supposed to we're supposed to sympathize with this perspective that Nancy and Quentin have here, where they're implying that he didn't actually do it. And at this point, I'm wondering, oh, is this movie going in a different direction? Like, is Freddy yeah. actually meant to be an innocent man who was killed un- unlawfully, and that's why he's coming back and like taking revenge on the kids? Like, mm. I was just like, oh, is that what's going on here? But like, it just seems so bizarre to have like the uh, the protagonists now be like you killed him i can't believe it he was obviously innocent (laughs) (laughs) nancy looks down a corridor and she sees tina in a body bag and this is actually scary like this is sorry when i say tina i of course mean chris our tina proxy she looks down (laughs) and like there's there's chris in a body bag like tina come play with me and i'm like whoa this was actually fucking creepy and then she gets like dragged out of frame in a very reminiscent fraction and it was actually really cool but i guess like the implication here is that like nancy's starting to have these micro naps that's that's the important thing to consider so quinton reveals that he's got like 
Dexies or something because he has ADD and he's like, hey, we should take my Dexies and they'll keep us awake. Uh, but he's like running out. And so he's like, shit, we got to stop at a pharmacy. So I guess Quentin and Nancy have resolved they're going to go find the primary school and like try and get some evidence there for what happened to Freddy. There's references to this cave or something. Yeah, like, oh, he takes us to the mystery cave. Yeah, and they're going there to sort of figure out what actually happened with Freddy. They put way too much emphasis on the mystery cave. They like, really one do. One of the flashbacks is the kid being like, Freddy... He takes us to the mystery cave or whatever, the secret cave. And then Quinton's like, that cave we talked about? Did you ever even find the cave? Like, why can't the cave just be a shed or anywhere? Like, why yeah. does the cave have to be a literal secret cave? <laughs> anyway, Quinton's like, we got to stop and, and get some more of my pills. And, like, leaves Nancy in the car to, like, battle falling asleep. And fucking... She, like, lights the cigarette lighter and, like, burns her arm to, like, give herself a yeah. That was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah um, I, I, I like this. Like, oh, yeah, she, like, sticks it into her arm like she's trying to brand herself. Like, surely she'd only need to just, like, touch it a little bit to yeah. get that sensation. Uh, she really looks like she's branding herself, so I was, I was very uncomfortable. That also, was, yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. That's quite strange. Now, we're like, this is intercut with, like, Quentin at the counter trying to convince this pharmacist to give him more of these pills despite the fact that he's out of prescription. He's like, just, uh... Fill it up, and uh, on we go. And the farmer's just like, yep, your script's empty. Like, I have to call the doctor. And Quentin's just standing there, looking like the biggest junkie. Like, he's pallid. He's, like, he looks dead behind the eyes. And he's like, just, uh, just fill it up. <laughs> just, just fill it up, man. And the guy's like, no, I can't just fill it up. Like, you look like such a junkie. It's such a bold strategy from Quentin to be like, I know I'm out of prescriptions, but just, just fill it up, man. <laughs> <laughs> One thing we also get to see here, which I think is genuinely really fucking cool, is like this idea of micro naps in action as Nancy walks in. Yeah, this was awesome. Yeah, so, she, so Nancy walks in trying to find uh, Quinton and realizes there's no one else in this pharmacy. And she's like, oh shit, am I dreaming? And then she spins around and slowly we start flashing in and out of like the creepy pipes boiler room basement sort of thing and freddy's moving towards her and one second he's there and then she wakes up again and that sort of thing and it's like this really the contents of micronaps i think they really nailed it in this little scene and it's really fucking cool yeah it was awesome like freddy's like slashing the air and he's like knocking shit off the shelves in the real world pharmacy quinton sees what's happening grab like just steals some bandages and then they uh get the fuck out of there to go to the hospital but the important thing is nancy's manages to pull like a scrap off freddy's sweater and she realizes she can bring, like, stuff from the dream world back into reality by, like, holding it when she wakes up. Quentin, I love this man. This was fucking legit. He's stealing epinephrine, which is, like, adrenaline, like, out of, like, a drawer. He opens it up and he's, like, pocketing all this adrenaline. And I was like, man, that's cool. I bet that's going to, like, come back at a pivotal moment. I'm thinking, like, oh, this is going to be, like, some, you know, climactic, someone's asleep and he needs to, like, you know, adrenaline them awake. It doesn't exactly get used like that. But, like, it, yeah, anyway. So I was thinking, like, oh, man, this is pretty cool. Uh, the doctor comes in and is like, I'm just going to give you this sedative, Nancy. And Nancy's mum's there. And she's like, no, I don't want to go to sleep. And the doctor's like, hey, sign this form so I can forcibly put your daughter to sleep because she's not currently complying and she's freaking the fuck out. And the mum signs the form. They go back in the room to put Nancy to sleep. LVP to this yeah. mum. I mean, who's just fucking... Like, at this point, it's just like, yeah, she just sucks. I, I, I yeah, really she's meant to be like a her. doctor. 
she should know that she, like the kid doesn't need to be asleep. But anyway, so at this point, I'm like, I'm feeling Quentin because Na- Nancy. They go back in the room. Nancy's gone, and I'm like, I bet this is Quentin's doing. Quentin stole the epinephrine. Now he's spirited Nancy out of the room. Like I'm like, Quentin's really got his shit together. Like I wasn't vibing him before, but I am vibing him now. He's driving along. He pulls out this adrenaline that he's got, and she's like, Thanks for getting me out of there, Quentin. And he's like, Hey, no thing, baby. And then he like, he's like, I got some adrenaline here. You want it? And she's like, No. And he's like, All right, cool. And he just like injects himself in the thigh with adrenaline. And at this point, I was like, Okay. I kind of thought you were saving that for like a pivotal moment, but instead he's like, nah, I just need like one bump. <laughs> just like one, just one right now. Cause like, it's such a short term thing. Like if you've ever had an adrenaline rush, you know, it doesn't last very long. Like I can imagine if it was like, oh, oh no, she's asleep. She's going into a coma. I have to keep her awake. But it's like, no, no, he's like just driving along and he's like, just going to give myself a 30 second spike of adrenaline and then keep driving. Like what a short sighted, short term solution. Like what was the plan there? So now they have a little bit of dialogue where he reveals that he's invited her out and she's just not showed up, which to me, like, that's terrible. Like, it's not implied that she said no. Like, he's like, hey, Nancy, go on a date with me. And she doesn't say no. She's like, okay, and then just doesn't show up for the date. <laughs> that's, that's what he implies. I'm like, that's fucking awful. Like, just say... Just say no. Her rationale is something like, I just don't fit in. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if you've noticed, I don't exactly fit in. (laughs) So terrible. So, Quentin crashes the car. There's no two ways, there's no two ways about it. He just crashes the car. He's really playing me hot and cold here with the MVP, LVP thing. So, like, at this point I'm thinking, like, does he get one of each right now? I'm not sure. I'm not sure he actually deserves either just yet. I'm kind of on the fence about Quinto right now. Uh, but despite him crashing the car, they find the school, and these micronaps are getting more invasive. Quinton says he doesn't know what's real anymore. They walk down into the basement where I guess Freddy hung out, and it's like... Did the school have just, like, become abandoned? Like, after the Freddy incident, did people just, like, stop sending their kids there? Like, I think that's fair, like, to be like, I certainly wouldn't send a child there. It is kind of fair. I mean, like, the guy's gone, for one thing, but also, like, okay, fair enough, the school closes down. Does the building just stay there forever? Like, does nobody buy the land and do anything with it? Like, does the school just stay there getting decrepit or, like, what is, what is, what is this? Why is it still there? But they find Freddy's basement. Everything's still intact, by the way. No evidence was ever taken by any police. Uh, they, they, they're down there, like, they find all Freddy's stuff. They're like, hmm, was this Freddy's room? And one of them picks up, like, the, the claw, like, one of the claw fingers from the glove and is like, yeah, this was definitely Freddy's room. Which to me, I'm like, why did pre-death Freddy have the claws? Like, did he did he make them like before he died to fuck with the kids? Like, he didn't need to like hunt down the kids. They were at the preschool. He like brought them down. To his... Did he like have a claw hand then? Why were they there in like the the real awake world? How are they still defending him at this point of being like, well, maybe yes, he did yeah. have the claw hand, but maybe that was like a fun game. We don't know. <laughs> Like, <laughs> Look, I know he had the spooky claws, but like maybe yeah. he wasn't actually a bad guy. Yeah, yeah that's a great point. I, yeah, I still can't get over that. So like they, they find a secret passage to like a spooky back room. And like, I want to know, what is the utility of this back room? Like, it looks identical to the room we've just left. Like, it's really dark and full of like pipes and it's concrete and there's like a creepy like yellow bed there. Like... Why does he need a secret back bedroom where he, like, does whatever he was doing to the kids? Like, it's, it's implied that it's, like, I don't know, molestation child pornography creating or whatever. Like, why does he need a secret back room where he's doing that? The, the main, like, basement...
basement room that they're in is already really creepy. So, like, it's not like the parents would have found his, like, fucked up basement and been like, well, this can't have been the secret cave the kids were talking about, so I guess we never have evidence of the cave that they talk about. Oh, no, the secret cave can only be explained by this secret passage to another room that looks fucking identical to the room that you just left. I, like, I don't understand why this room is so pivotal to the plot. Particularly because, as we find out, like, rolling ahead... They search this room, and Quentin finds pictures of Nancy, presumably, like, as a child, like, horrifying child pornography stuff. But, like, so just nobody looked? And, like, nobody went down to, like, where he used to live and found, like, the claws and shit? Like, nothing at all. It also implies, (laughs) as well, that, like, the police were never involved. Because at no point yeah. do they say do they say that Freddie like oh he got away with it and that sort of thing, it, which is like I get, but it's kind of like why didn't they get the police involved? There's so much yeah. evidence. Why did they have to yeah. fucking lynch this dude? Like that's just vigilante yeah. justice. Yeah, because in the first one it's made out that like he gets away with it because of some quirk of law enforcement, right? Like they couldn't get the evidence or whatever, or is yeah, it like a technicality or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. They, technicality they, they signed a form film, wrong so they, or something like that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's man, that's the first episode of fucking Freddy's Nightmares. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he wasn't ready. Dude, Freddy keeps getting lucky with incompetent police. <laughs> uh, but no, none of that in this movie. So okay, uh, they find the Polaroids. All of a sudden, they're like, "Oh wow, I guess he actually was a bad guy." Yikes. And uh, they stopped defending him immediately, as if, like, the claws weren't enough. Or the the existence of a secret room. <laughs> like, surely some of that is a reason. Now they're doing, like, her Nancy plan from the original film, where she's like, okay, I can bring stuff back from the dream world into reality, so I'm going to go to sleep, I'm going to find Freddy, you stay awake, Quentin, and you wake me up if I feel like, if I look like I'm struggling, and, like, I'll bring Freddy back into the real world, and we can kill him. And at this point, like, Quentin... Like, leans over to Nancy and puts his, like, crucifix necklace around her and says, you gotta believe in something, right? Which, like... Yeah. You can't quote yourself. Like, you can't call back to your own quote. Like, that's not the way that works. Like, if if she'd said it, like, if she'd, like, grabbed his necklace and put it around herself and he, like, gives her a quizzical look and she's like, you gotta believe in something, that's a highly cheesy but, like, actual callback to, like, that moment that they had before. He's quoting himself. It's just like he's really trying to push this. He's really trying to... He's calling back to his own (laughs) bullshit. It also implies that this film is actually, like, a deeply evangelical Christian film and it's kind of like like harkening back like the, the message of the film is kind of like listen you've got to like you've got that that's what empowers Nancy to defeat like this demon you know so LVP for me for Quentin for calling back to his own shitty line from before <laughs> like, you can't call your own lines out that's that's not okay I actually followed up with an LVP like pretty much immediately after which is as Nancy gets ready to like actually enter the dream world Quentin sits down and is yes. immediately asleep and it's like again yes, he comes so that also on. Both, both things like like <laughs> He immediately falls asleep. I can understand this concept of micro-nabs. I can really buy into it, but I think it still requires some stillness. Like, at least for, like, five to ten seconds and then happening. Not like, you sit down, oh, fuck. Like, it's just, it's not believable. So now we're focusing on Quentin. He's hanging out in this spooky pipe room. 
he runs into Freddy. Freddy, like, slashes him real good, and, like, Quentin falls down. And then, like, there's fire every- everywhere. And I'm thinking, like, man, you'd think Freddy would have an aversion to fire, seeing as he got burned to death. But, okay, that's fine. Uh, now, Nancy's there, and he's, like, chasing Nancy. Yeah, that's right. So he, he catches Nancy, and Nancy's like, hey, uh, what do you want? And he's like, uh let's play a game and, and she's like fuck you and he's like oh yeah that sounds fun and i'm like okay that's yeah. a bit much yeah. like that's like yeah like you we could have done without that like especially considering how grim dark like the content has got re child molestation yeah. like we didn't need like that that's that's like sort of fun goofy in a movie that's not about child molestation mm-hmm. where like if the person who's being chased is like fuck you and the guy's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that <laughs> plays like it really didn't play for me here mm-hmm. big so, thumbs down yeah so now freddy's chasing nancy we're getting okay for me dude spooky dream logic which was one of our points of remakeability she's running through the house she like sinks down into a carpet she's now like the carpet turns into a big puddle of blood which is also like her sinking into a carpet is a nice callback to uh nancy sinking into the carpet on the stairs in the original film we get a title pitch from freddy here as she sort of slips into the pool of blood which is like how's this for a wet dream which i thought like as a title pitch for this movie is uh is not bad (laughs) yep Still just episode 19. How's this for a wet dream? Yeah, nice. So so she gets into the bedroom, like the dream version of her bedroom, and like the although no, the, the front hallway and like the, the door, the front door doesn't have like a, a door handle, which is also cool dream logic. One of our points of remakeability, that's cool. She um she goes like into the cupboard and she's hiding. And Freddy comes in. He pops up, yeah, in the cupboard with her. Like, he just, like, like kind of spooks in and then, like, misses her from, like, close range. Which is like, fair enough, Freddy, but, like, that was, a pr- that was a pretty, like, easy shot. And, like, he misses her as she, like, bursts out of that closet. That's right. So she's pinned to the bed. There's an awful scene where Freddy's, like, creeping up on her being like, ooh, your memories are what fuel me, Nancy. Which, like, why would he tell her that? That's like that's like the, the villain like monologuing about his weakness. Like he's like, ah, if you forget about me, I won't exist anymore. Anyway, and, and like Nancy like grabs some scissors, I guess, and like stabs him in the eye, but it does nothing because it's a dream. She screams and Quentin wakes up, which again really plays fast and loose with like what things do and don't wake up in this world. Like I'm still not sure. Freddy's like, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. He can't wake you up anymore and then he pulls out an adrenaline fucking syringe stabs her in the chest very pulp fiction by the way <laughs> nice oh, callback nice. <laughs> she wakes up freddy's like on the bed in the real world now okay i've got a question here for you boys so i made a point in the 1984 film wrap-up that like if freddy wanted to be alive again there's an easy strategy here but to be fair like freddy wanting to be alive again isn't really a thing that's talked about in the original movie it's made pretty explicitly clear in this film that he desperately wants to be alive again. Because, like, when he's interrogating Jesse in the pipe room, he's like, can you turn back time, Jesse? Can you bring the dead back to life? Like, that's him saying what he wants. He totally can come back to life. Like, he can come back into the real world. All he needs to do is touch a kid when the kid wakes up. And then he's back in reality. Which is what happens right now. So, like, why doesn't he just do that? And then, like, he can never die. <laughs> like, he's, he's invincible. Quentin 
is doing a pretty good job, all things considered. He's been slashed pretty good by Freddy, but he's, like, beating Freddy up. Like, he hits him, he, like, pushes him away. Freddy, like, stabs him again or, like, throws him away or something. And we're like, okay, that's Quentin done for the minute. But, dude, Quentin is not done. He will not go down. He, like, stabs Freddy in the calf with a knife as he's, like, moving up on Nancy all creepy-like. This is where I'm like, all right, I gave him an LVP confirmed before. MVP confirmed now, because Quentin will take a beating and keep on eating. He's not going to turn <laughs> easy. He's... <laughs> he's, he's the tank of this party he's fucking he's putting in some work here honestly at this point like it's kind of anticlimactic like they just beat him up a bunch and then he dies the solution in the end was just to beat him up uh, <laughs> like, there was no like special like skill or tool they had to develop like the way to beat Freddy in this movie is to just cut him you're missing Nancy's one liner which is where she says you're in my world now bitch and then like <laughs> gashes his throat yeah that's true that's true Um, so Nancy lights him on fire because you know who needs evidence like yeah okay so there's no evidence taken the first time like just just burn the burn down the primary school I guess like you wouldn't want anyone to find the dead body of Freddy Krueger so you could be like hey all this shit is real like no 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 of course you burn it down so there's no evidence of any of it Uh, they're in the ambulance yeah yeah fine whatever like Quentin's like getting repaired they're hanging out like Nancy goes home her mum's there and I'm like, oh man, you gotta give me something, Freddy. Like, there has to be, like, a button here. We need Freddy to come back at the mm. end. And, of course, Freddy, like, smashes through the mirror that's behind Nancy's mum. Like, puts his claws, like, through her head. Like, through her eyeballs. And does he, like, yank her back into the mirror? Does that Yes, ha- yeah. yeah. Right. He, he destroys the evidence, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going stealthy now, like. Yeah, man. And then we roll into All I Have to Do Is Dream by the Everly Brothers. A little bit of yeah. dream. Dude, I love that. Yeah, dream, that was actually sick dream, as the end of the movie. And then that's uh yeah, that's the end of the film. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I certainly have. I, I quite like this movie. I got to say, like, uh, it, was, it was good fun to good fun to watch, good fun to record, great great fun to make. Actually, it was a uh, great great fun to make this film. I assume it was for for Michael Bay, Hollywood's conservative hero, as is the title <laughs> of the article I'm looking at right now. Man. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to hear more of uh, us talking about Michael Bay movies in particular, you can check out Still Interested on Twitter at SICurioShow, uh, or check out Jackson or I at MrBTMcAllister, or at Jackson underscore Yusid. Is that you, Jacko? That's the one. And the whole network at at Curio Network. Tim, do you have anything you'd like to plug yourself in any way? I wish to be untraceable, so please do not get anywhere near me. Okay, Tim actually said something fucked up to me last night. Uh, do you want to relate this story that you had about the plug thing? Well, I, I had this dream that you had a third podcast, uh, Ben. Well, obviously, you know, one that you're in. Um, and, you know, it's like a podcast that's entirely scripted. Um, it was like a fiction podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the entire bit is they have a guest on and you strap them to some sort of torture device and you're forcing them, interrogation style, to plug their shit. <laughs> <laughs> Like us standing over them, like, tell us your Twitter handle, and they're like, I'll never tell, I won't do it, you'll never get it out of me. Guys, I'm having the most powerful and like the most disconcerting deja vu, like probably of my entire life. Like that whole thing you just said, Tim, I swear to God, I've experienced that before. So, um, well, that's the end of the show forever, guys. I can't do this anymore. Yeah.
now we wrap up some MVPs. Please. Alright, here's what I got for MVPs. I've got Jesse for his ninja window climbing skills. Nice, I've nice. got whoever made Gigablast, the search engine. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got Quentin for being the tank of the party. Uh, I had Nancy, uh, just for her, like, unconquerable courage. And uh, what, about, what about you, Timo? I have a single MVP, and uh-huh. it's Rorschach. Okay, right. <laughs> Specifically like Rorschach. Rorschach. Not, not Freddy. we got to clarify. It's, it's not Freddy. It's, it's Rorschach. Yeah, you know... I mean, they both have the fedora, like... Yeah, There are a lot wow. of cross over here. In fact, I was looking it up, and I think it was, like, Freddy's performance in Watchmen was, like, partially what inspired this idea of making him play Freddy Krueger. Really? Yeah, really. Whoa. They saw that name. Jackie, Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, mm. wow. Shit, man. I mean, he's in Bad News Bears, so <laughs> that's the true thing about <laughs> Jackie Earl Haley. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was feeling pretty hot on... I, I was feeling pretty hot on Quentin, but I'm actually kind of liking Rorschach. Provided we go specifically with Rorschach. <laughs> This, here's my vibe, is that I think the voice for Freddy was just wrong this time. However, the voice for an undead Rorschach, I think it works really well. So if we go over the canon that this is actually, like, a sequel to The Watchmen, and, like, Rorschach has, like, survived as some sort of dream demon, I think that's incredible, and that's an MVP for me. Yeah. And or, like, the the thing where, like, he is actually an innocent man who was, like, incorrectly accused by the kids. It was all just a big coincidence. The, like, none of the evidence was actually real, which is why they burned the evidence, because they knew it was all fake. And, and then planted uh, it? Then this is just, a, a, an ex- yeah, an extension of Rorschach's quest for justice. Mm. <laughs> I, think that, I think that makes sense. So, to clarify, the MVP is Rorschach from The Watchmen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, the MVP of If anyone this film, says anything else... Well, they're wrong. Yeah. What about LVPs? Why don't you run through who you had, Bennett? Okay, LVPs, I've got Chris for stopping running. I've got Nancy's mum for doing a bad job lying, and then I've got Quentin for crashing the car. I I just had Chris for some choice lines, you know, um, all I want to do is sleep, but if I do, he's going to kill me like Dean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty good. Chris was fun. For me personally, it's hard to get over how poor Nancy's mum was. The thing is, I know we gave her an LVP last time in the last film, but she is just like hot garbage the entire film and it's like completely unbelievable and just like a terrible mother and character well in the other film it was like because she was flipping between good and bad she got both MVP and LVP but like here she she's just terrible throughout okay well I I had Chris as well okay so so alright let's Let's bring this home, because both of those actresses are people that we thought were familiar. Uh, yeah, you know, you know what, actually? Uh, I think Katie Cassidy, who played Chris, can't be given LVP solely because she was in Click. Like, that's yeah, true. She, that's very true. Her, her career holds up. But then again, Connie Britton was in American Horror Story. So, you know, and Friday Night Lights. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, but, like, Click is a way better film than either of those properties. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So, all right. On the on the the pre- on the credit of their previous careers, then are we giving it to Connie Britton's the mum as LVP because Katie Cassidy was in Click? Is that is that it? <laughs> I think given that Katie Cassidy was in Click, <laughs> I think that's now this is a ver- this is a very intertextual uh, MVP LVP yeah. Yeah, uh, well, segment. Yeah, everything has to be intertextual. <laughs> If anyone has a problem with that, tweet at us. <laughs> yeah. I actually came across a little tidbit of tribute myself, which I thought I might just like Please. get us uh, rolling away with. And this is actually more like general uh, trivia to do with like the franchise, uh, in, in particular to do with Robert Englund. Englund 
was briefly considered for the part of Han Solo in the 1977 <laughs> film Star Wars. And... Yeah, which 1977 film was Han Solo in? Sorry, Jackson. Yeah, yeah, Could yeah. you just clarify that for me? <laughs> he then told his close friend, Mark Hamill, who was sleeping on his couch, to go audition for the role of Skywalker. Whoa. Johnny Depp accompanied his friend, Jackie Earl Haley, to auditions for A Nightmare on Elm Street 1984. Instead of Haley being chosen, it was Depp who was spotted by director Wes Craven, who asked him if he would like to read for a part. Depp got a part in the film, Haley didn't. But Haley would later go on to play Freddy in the remake 26 years later. That's kind of a similar vibe. Yeah. He, he, he got his in the end. <laughs> yeah, he sure did. Uh, okay, here's, here's one for you. Rooney Mara hated being in this movie so much that she almost quit acting. <laughs> Whoa. some more bad vibes. Wes Craven was reportedly not approached about this remake. He has, however, publicly spoken against it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie L. Haley would often improvise his lines on set, feeling this might help unease the other cast members if they didn't know what he was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Like, uh, when Jackie L. Haley was asked what put him in the right mindset to play Freddy, he said, sitting in the makeup chair for three hours. After that, you feel like you could kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of nice. Robert Englund gave his personal blessing to Jackie L. Haley to replace him as Freddy, saying, the torch has been well passed. Oh, that's nice. Particularly because that character got burnt alive. Mm. That's, I, I appreciate that a lot. Wow, this film broke the record for opening midnight openings of a horror film. Huh. Freddy's voice was digitally altered in post-production to give his voice a supernatural quality. So you can't blame Jackie O'Leary for that. Oh my god, dude, okay. Billy Bob Thornton and Steve Buscemi were considered to play Freddy (laughs) Krueger. Imagine Steve Buscemi There's a no god, just me. <laughs> Still Interested is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chapel. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is a Nature's Dance composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Curio Network and at SI Curio Show. We'd love to hear from you if you've got thoughts about the show. So find us on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the show, think about giving us a rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. It actually is really helpful. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where I talk with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them. Or How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, where we play D&D. Seriously, it's a lot of fun. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>